Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear page by page. This is page 764. There were several bouts with wooden swords, too. These tended to go more quickly, as even a light touch was considered enough for a victory. Who won that one, I asked, after a quick exchange of clacking swordplay ended with both women scoring hits at the same time? Neither, she said, frowning. Why don't they fight again if it was a tie, I asked. Beshat frowned at me. It wasn't a tie. Strictly speaking, Dren would have died in minutes, struck through the lung. Lasro would have died in days when the wound in her gut soured. So Lasro won? Beshat gave me a look of withering contempt, and turned her attention back to the next fight. The tall Adam man, who had asked Vachette to fight, was bouting with a thin whip of a woman. Strangely, he used a wooden sword while she was barehanded. He won by a narrow margin after catching two solid kicks to the ribs. Who won there? Vachette asked. I could tell she wasn't looking for the obvious answer. It's not much of a victory, I said. She didn't even have a sword. She is of the third stone and far outstrips him as a fighter. It was the only way for things to be balanced between them, unless he were to bring a companion to fight by his side. Bachette pointed out. So I ask again, who won? He won the bout, I said but he'll have some impressive bruises tomorrow. Also, his swings seemed somewhat reckless. Vachette turned to look at me. So, who won? I thought about it for a moment. Neither, I decided. She nodded. Formal approval. The gesture warmed me as everyone facing us could see it. At long last, Shaheen stepped into the circle. She had removed her lopsided yellow hat, and her graying hair swirled about in the wind. Seeing her among the other, Adam, I realized how small she was. She carried herself with such confidence that I had come to think of her as taller, but she barely came up to the shoulder of some of the taller Adam. She carried a straight wooden sword with her, nothing ornate but it was carved to have the shape of a hilt and blade. Many of the other practice swords I had seen were barely more than smooth sticks that gave the impression of being swords. Her white shirt and pants were tied tightly to her body with thin white cords. Alongside Shaheen came a much younger woman. She was shorter than Shaheen by an inch or so. Her frame was more delicate, too. Her small face ended the page. I'm Nick. I'm Jordana. I'm Jeremy. The word chords, how is it spelled? C-H-O-R-D-S. Interesting. Jeremy, how is yours spelled? It's spelled with a C-H in my book, too. That must be a misprint. Yeah, well, it's also in my book. Uh, and uh, that is, of course, the word for a musical chord, not yeah. for the chord that you would bind yourself with. Wait, maybe, okay, but what, okay, oh, crackpot theory time. Crackpot theory time. 
What if it's not a mistake? And the reason I say that is because when Shaheen enters the circle, we get uh, the a mention of the wind, right? The wind is doing stuff with her hair. And we know that music is very important for Quoth. And like maybe there's a connection there for, for naming and Quoth and stuff. So maybe it's not a mistake. Maybe Rothfuss put it in there for, for fun time, for like Easter egg magic fun time. Could be. It really does seem like a typo to me, though. <laughs> if this turns out to be true, Jordana, I, I will salute you. I think we'll never know. <laughs> Unless Rothfuss listens to this episode of the podcast and is like, oh, yeah, I'm going to definitely tell these guys uh, whether or not I purposefully misspelled something. We've established that he listens to every episode while... He super doesn't. He has some intern listen to some of them. While swilling a snifter of brandy and plotting our inevitable gruesome demise. Okay, maybe that, but also no. Hmm. He doesn't have time for us, Jeremy. We don't matter. You're nothing. You're no one, but not to me. Quoth is being awfully thick. At the beginning of this page. Like, again, this is another moment where it's like, come on, you're clearly trying, like, someone's trying to teach you here. Obviously, she's looking for the answer. Nobody wins when you both die. I don't think that that is necessarily, I don't, I don't think he's dumb for not knowing that. Because he is stuck in the way that, like, you win the fight by killing the other person before they kill you. And for living longer. Well, I think first he's in, he's in the idea that, like, it's sport, right? He goes, oh, why don't they fight again if it was a tie? And then he gets the metaphor of like, well, she would have died from this wound and she would have died from that wound. And he goes, okay, so she would have died later. So she must have won. Mm-hmm. And then she gets the withering look from uh, from Bashet, which I like a lot. I I agree that like both should be coming to the conclusion that they both lose. But at the same time, when it comes to the fight between Dren and Lasserol, she says it wasn't a tie, strictly speaking, but... If they both lose, is it not still a tie? Like I, I think the the actual answer is that yes, technically Lastral won. It's a tie, but they both lose. No, Lastral won. She killed her enemy and will live longer than her enemy, but she'll still die. So what's the point? Yeah, Jeremy, you have Quoth brain. I think that we're supposed to move beyond these ideas and understand that like if if you die, it's a tragedy. Like the, the this is like a this is a when not to fight kind of thing. I understand that, but I think. When she says it wasn't a tie, strictly speaking, she's saying, yes, technically it wasn't a tie. Somebody won the fight and that somebody was Lastral. But in the more correct sense, in the sense that's up to Lathani, nobody won. I think that's what she means. It wasn't a tie, strictly speaking. Like it's a tie in the sense that like there is no winner. They have the same outcome, but it's not a tie in the sense that like there's no losers either because they're both losers. Now we're getting into like semantics. The most Yeah, I was going to say there is. I agree with Jeremy in that this is very semantics-y. But I, I also agree think it's that not semantics-y. Disgusting. But I do agree they both lost. Remind me, do the Adam understand the meaning of facial expressions? Because like kids do them, right? Yeah. So they must understand. Okay. So is Vashet kind of having a secret language with Quoth here? Because she is like giving him a withering look and she's frowning at him. And then later at the end of this page, she gestures formal approval in a way that like other people can see. So she's definitely aware that like people are looking at them and looking for her her read on Quoth. Like they're reading her body language literally in the case of the Adam to get a sense of like, how is he doing? And so she's sending them signals. And so what I'm wondering is when she is frowning at him and giving him the withering look, is that meant to be like sort of private? Like she's the reason she's not hand talking with him. Oh, I read it differently. 
I don't read it as being private because her face is as visible as her hands. Yeah, it's not private. She's doing it for clothes to make him more comfortable, but it's not private. Oh, that's also not what I thought. Oh, okay. What do you think? I think that um, because, A, she's trying to teach clothes something, but I also think that she sort of, eh, this isn't the right wording, but she's think she thinks less of Quoth in this moment. And I think that other Adems seeing her make facial expressions at Quoth will make them think less of Quoth as well because an Adem probably would look at that situation and be like, oh, well, if he understood, she wouldn't need to make facial expressions for him. But I don't think she wants to make him look bad. Otherwise, she wouldn't explicitly, where everyone could see, say, formal approval later. Um, yeah, maybe. We've already, like, she does this when they're alone. When you speak someone else's language fluently, it puts them at ease, right? She speaks his language fluently, and his language includes making facial expressions when you talk. So she is just speaking his language fluently so that they can understand each other. Yeah, okay. I suppose. Good. Now that I've crushed my co-host into submission, I can take over the podcast. That's rude. All right, go for it. What's your first act, my liege? Uh, my first act will be to stop uh, looking for meanings that are not on the surface. Uh, anyone who does that will have their eyes plucked out by ravens. All right, so I look forward to the remainder of the podcast that's just us reading the page and then saying, yep, that happened, and then moving <laughs> no, on. No, 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 no. We also get to say that it was good. <laughs> And also get to say why it was good. We're going to turn it into the, the AI version of this podcast where there's no never any fun. Oh, no, no, no. There should be riffing. We're going to like riff on stuff. We're just not going to right, Jeremy. No, but no crackpot theories. We are going theories. to riff on things. But it's important to remember that we not get into the territory of crackpot theories. That's right. Nick, how would you feel about some, what is that thing called when the pirates take over the ship? Mutiny? Mutiny. Mutiny. How do you feel about some mutiny, Nick? Uh, definitely not. I, for one, welcome our new overlord. Meet me in the poop deck. <laughs> oh, Nick, us <laughs> away from the prying eyes. You were so close to becoming my trusted vizier. I can still be a vizier. Viziers are great at giving advice to the king and also at plotting his downfall. <laughs> yeah, that's why. Also, I feel like if any one of the three of us was going to be a vizier, it would be Nick. Oh yeah, that's like my life's goal is to be a vizier. Yeah, but I can't trust you. You're an untrustworthy vizier now. Well, I mean, all viziers they... are untrustworthy. Have you not wow. seen movies? Yeah. Wow. No, no, I agree with Jordana. <laughs> By virtue of being a vizier, you become untrustworthy. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, the Gaius Baltar conundrum. Uh, <laughs> uh, is there anything else you want to say on this page? I'm good. Yeah, I think we're good. All right, then uh, we can loudly protest that we're not Cylons on tomorrow's page. Uh, <laughs> I'm not a Cylon! I'm not a Cylon! The wind. <laughs>